0: Hello, John from the Lib Dem Podcast here. We are delighted to say that this episode is sponsored by Praetor Rains. Now more than ever, you need a professional-looking online presence and website. Praetor Rains have been helping Liberal Democrat campaigns succeed for 18 years. Their Lib Dem Foci package combines a website, social media and email system to help Lib Dems win. You'll receive great support from real people, fair pricing and a huge range of features to choose from. Praetorains are already the bespoke developers for Lighthouse, Lib Dem Draw Online, and the LD Directory. They combine a talented system design with an unrivalled understanding of our party, our data, and our systems. To find out more, check out the Praetorains website at praetorains.co.uk/slash liberal-democrats. Now, on with the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lib Dem podcast to this very special leaders edition. The leaders contest is going to end today. And in fact, as you're watching this, it has ended. We know our winner, but we don't right now because it is about 10 past 11. And I have my assembled panel here to talk through A, who's going to win, who we think is going to win. And then we're going to have all the speeches, the result, and some debate after about what it means for the party. So, my wonderful luminaries here join us on this Zoom call. First of all we have Owen Lambert from Morecambe.
1: Morning Owen. Good morning, hello. Yes, um, my name Owen. I was the PPC for Morecambe and Loonsdale in the 2019 general election and very excited to see the end of this leadership election. <laughs> Um,
0: and you can find Owen on Twitter at, at at Owen Lambert1. He is the first Owen Lambert on Twitter. Um, and of course, the, the international man of mystery himself, we have Councillor Richard Kemp. Morning, Richard.
2: Hi, I've got no secrets, no mysteries. I've been in Liverpool a long time. Some people have been in Liverpool, didn't stay here, but uh, I soldier on as the leader of the Liberal Democrats in Liverpool.
0: Uh, and he can be found at, at Councillor Kemp uh, on, on Twitter. And joining us again, our uh, our token Southerner,
3: <laughs> <laughs> is uh, Josh Babarindi. Hello, Josh. Hello from Eastbourne, the sunniest town in the UK of the <laughs> South and the North. It's really great to join you. Uh,
0: and Josh can be found again on Twitter at, at Josh Babarindi. Uh, and now we have, for the first time, we have the mighty couple. From Cheadle, we have you know it's Hillary and Bill. It's uh, I can't think of any other couples now. Uh, I'm gonna, I want to, I want to stop there, and even that's a pretty you <laughs>
4: one to go <laughs> with. <laughs> <Same> <laughs> of <course. laughs>
0: um, starting off, returning to the podcast, we have Tom Morrison. Welcome, Tom.
4: Well, uh, cheers, thanks for having us. Uh, Tom Morrison, I was the parliamentary candidate in Cheadle in the 2019 election. Um, and for what it's worth, I was ward colleagues with Councillor <laughs> Kemp once. Um, and I still have the, the battle scars.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Got rid of him fairly quickly, it was okay. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> and moved out of the city because of them,
2: that's right, that's what
0: we heard. Uh, and join us for the first time, thank you very much, is uh, Tom's wife, which is Carla Gonzalez. Welcome, Carla.
5: Hi, I'm Carla, and um, as, as I was mentioning, I'm Tom's, Tom's wife, but also i have um, a Lib Dem campaigner here in Cheadle, and I've had also the pleasure to. Um, to have campaigned with Richard in Liverpool and actually helping Erica holding her seats back in 2011, 12? 14. Oh.
0: Brilliant. Well, so here, here is our team. And so I suppose I'm gonna start off with a very easy question for you, a very simple question. Who's won? Owen?
1: Well, I mean I, I would like to say that it's the person who I who I campaigned for and I, that I endorsed that it was would be Ed Davy. Although it's it's been very difficult and very down to the wire this past couple of weeks because even people who I considered uh, solid Ed heads um, who, had, who had told me they, they, they liked Ed, they, they liked his policies, they liked how he came across on, on the news and in the hustings, in the last couple of days is, have, have just switched around. So it's I, I, I hope that we don't come down to a scenario where it's something ridiculous like 48%, 52%, <laughs> the dreaded numbers.
0: Uh, and Josh, uh, you were a Layla supporter, feature on our literature. Do you think she's done enough to win this? If you uh, your gut instinct on this,
3: I think Layla's done an awesome job. I would say it's Ed to lose, um, and I think it has been um, from the beginning. I think Layla's been the underdog. The first poll that uh, was done, it was a few months ago, put Ed well ahead, and I'm I'm confident that that gap has closed. I'm confident. As you've said, Owen, it's 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 come down to the wire, and I just I really I don't know to be honest. What surprised me actually is there are some yeah some people, especially some councillors um in Eastbourne, who I would have put money on backing Ed, um, but they've watched the hustings and said, you know what, um, I'm going to punt on on Layla. She just seems right. For me, so I really don't know. Um, I hope I backed Layla. I hope um, that's um, enough to edge her over the line. But you know what? Both candidates, I think, have come really far uh, this campaign. We've actually seen some great commitments come from both of them um, throughout that wouldn't have happened had the campaign not been so, you know, of such a high quality. Um, for me, I'm particularly chuffed that both candidates have committed to implementing a Rooney rule to guarantee um, people from the black, Asian and minority ethnic community um, a place on um, shortlists for target seats. I think that is amazing. Um, so yeah, whatever happens, uh, we're going to end up with a great leader. Um, but I, I hope that the underdog has done enough to, to edge over the line.
0: Carla, who's your money on?
5: Oh, I'm not sure. I am. Um, it was a- it's very, very hard to say, really, because uh, I think both campaigns have had their ups and downs. Um, I think um, Ed started out really, really strong, but then as the hostings began, um, you could actually see what the appeal for Leila is. So um, I would say probably Ed will get in, but it will be close, I would say.
0: Richard, you've backed Ed last time, you've backed Ed this time. Do you think he's done enough to win?
2: I can only talk about the people I've been speaking to in Liverpool and district, and certainly if it was an election here, uh, Ed's won by about two to one. Uh, But I wouldn't claim that the Liverpool active membership is representative of the whole, so uh, I I don't know. Uh, What I would say is I'm, I'm glad it's over, but I basically switched off two weeks after nomination day by the time I'd watched three hustings I thought this is enough Uh, I think perhaps the biggest lesson we could learn is that it has gone on uh, too long I can't see any reason why it should have gone on uh, this long so thank goodness it's over and we can get back to business and I'm afraid uh, to my mind whoever is the leader now it's a little bit irrelevant Because we've got huge elections coming up next year uh, throughout the, the United Kingdom, and we're going to win them, not because whoever is creating minimal headlines in Westminster, we're going to win them because people, like everyone in this uh, podcast, will be out door knocking and delivering and campaigning. That's the way forward for the, for, 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 for the party. And I'm afraid I consider what happens in uh, Westminster, particularly during lockdown conditions, which are going to be around, uh, at least till next May in one form or another. It's a bit irrelevant, I'm afraid.
0: Well, despite the irrelevance, do stay tuned, listeners and viewers. <laughs> so, you know, this, this is our special extended one. Uh, I shouldn't have let him speak. I knew this was always going to be a problem. Uh, now, Tom, you, but Richard is right. This, is, this has been, it's felt long. And I think it's felt longer as well, because there was a kind of a phony war before the actual campaign started. We knew these two were going to be up against each other. Uh, and so it's felt like it's been forever in the making.
4: But if again, what, where do you think, who's winning for you? Um, I don't, I don't know. I think I you know I'm going to do my insider piece now. I was I was chatting to both camps last night, and both were keeping their um, their cards very close to their chest. My impression is that there's probably a it, it, the more likely of the two verdicts is that Ed has won it, but with a very kind of very very uh, small margin. Um, however what i would say and this is in complete agreement with josh on this is that i think actually there's a kind of the to be, sorry to be a liberal democrat about this but i think actually the party's kind of won here there are certain things like you know the rooney rule that you talked about there josh i think both candidates have come fully out on pr now that's going to be a key part, policy platform both have um said that they're going to go on to this kind of center-left approach and you know kind of try and work collaboratively with other parties so actually i think that through this contest, both parties are really both um, candidates have kind of elevated to a party into a platform that we all can agree with. And there's a real strong unity behind that. Um, in terms of kind of I've I've stayed well out of this, um, well out of this argument. And I'm going to stay neutral and take my votes to the grave with me. Uh, but I'm. I And the reason is is because I can't see a difference between the two really. I think both of the both have run good campaigns. I agree with Carla. there' have been ups and downs, there are things that I'm sure each candidate wouldn't have wanted to happen but um I'm really looking forward to now just kind of closing this off and just smashing the Tories let's just you know there is open goals for us let's just let's just smash them this is This is the way forward now
0: and I think from my point i I came out yesterday as voting for Layla um so, but my, my head says that Ed has got this. And I would say he's, I would look at about a 60-40 split. And what Josh was saying was, right, I think the first polling had Layla down at like 28% or something like that. So I think if she gets over 40% of the vote, well, she won't be happy to have lost. I think she'll think that we did a corking campaign. Uh, and I just get the feeling that Team Layla think they haven't quite got it. That would that's that's the kind of gut instinct I, I'm getting. However, um, I will say I've been contacted by a couple of people who have been doing the phone canvassing for them. And actually, neither both sides, from Team Ed and Team Leila, have said it is split right down the middle in terms of the phone canvassing. So, like all elections, it might come down to how much work has been done by each campaign. Um, and I suppose, I suppose from... We'll talk a little bit about the campaign. I don't want to talk about some of the nonsense that a couple of crazy people on Twitter get on and get way too excited about. But, I mean, from, from my point of view, clearly Ed outspent. I mean, we had a little bit of a chat with this where Lisa Smart tried to say, just because he put more literature out, I doubt he he might, doesn't necessarily mean he outspent Layla. But the size and the quality and the amount of literature that came from Ed's campaign clearly dwarfed Layla's. I mean, does anyone have anything different to that? Or, I mean, I, I received probably three parts to Ed for one part of Layla. Is that, is that, was that roughly what everyone else got?
3: Yeah. I agree, yeah. John. I totally agree. And in fact, I was geekily having a look um, a couple of weeks ago um, on the like register of donations um, to MPs um, through which all donations over 500 quid to each of the candidates are, are logged. And I think in... Uh, the last month, um, Layla raised about £7,500 and Ed raised £75,000 from those big donors. Um, I understand, I haven't seen the figures, but I understand that um, Layla's got significant income from lots of small grassroots donations as well. Um, but yeah, it's clear that Ed um, has been able to raise more cash um, from a... Uh, from those with with bigger wallets
0: and do we think so just uh, uh, tom you, you've been a target candidate you know and have to find find cash for your campaigns do you think that's just ed being the kind of um, establishment candidate the continuity candidate or do you think that goes to actually how good he is as a candidate the fact he's been able to talk and get donations in because it's a key part of being a candidate is actually mm. making sure you have a campaign to fund it
4: well, firstly, I, I need to apologise to the residents of Cheadle because after getting all the emails I've seen and all the leaflets I've seen, I now know what it felt like for them in the twenty nineteen election of <laughs> everything just being bombarded. So I apologise. <laughs> but um, I think actually there are two things. There. I think Ed is a cam- Ed is a, a campaigner, and you know a lot was made in this campaign about him winning his seat when it wasn't the target seat and stuff, and he knows how to campaign that group grassroots level. But I think also and not to take it away from the candidate, but Claire Halliwell is the campaign manager. She's one of the best campaign managers in this party. And it's, what, what's come out is that there has been a textbook Lib Dem campaign come out of Ed Davies' camp. And that's down to Claire Halliwell and Ben Race. they two of the best campaigners this party's got.
2: And and good luck to her when she moves to Wales, of course. I think that's a really good uh, activity. But the whole spending issue does raise to my mind whether our own regulations are strong enough. Uh, I just think too much money has been spent on an internal election. Uh, I would prefer to see more money spent on the external elections, I spoke about before, and there's probably only one lot of money. So I think one of the other lessons that ought to come about to this would be a a much better uh, limit on what any individual can spend and what they can do, because I think they should win on the basis of the argument. And there's been dozens of opportunities for us to listen into them, rather than what they can spend.
0: Um, Owen, I want to kind of bring you in on the thing. I mean, like I said, there's been some sort of, oh, this, uh, I think everyone agrees the election's gone on for too long. I think there's most people agree that. Uh, But actually, you know, has it actually been, because it has been, I think it's been a fairly interesting sort of one. It does feel like there's something on the line with this election and that. And, and it's actually led to a whole load of Lib Dems saying, oh, great, look, Ed's on the morning shows. Oh, look, Leila's on Newsnight. And actually, some of the stuff that we want Lib Dems to be kind of active about and shout about, which we're not great about, sometimes some of the triumphs that we have, and sometimes the media things out, it's actually led to a, quite a good thing. It's just these people have to make sure they keep doing it regardless of who wins.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's been fantastic to sort of switch on the television in the morning and my dad to sort of go, "Owen, she's on the television again." <laughs> and to and to see sort of, you know, people who aren't actively interested in politics seeing who we are and what we're about and having whether it is Ed or Layla, two fantastic people representing our values on um on, to, on tv in newspapers getting us out there like you say though it'd be fantastic that after this leadership election we can continue to do that because i feel historically it's been a bit we've really kind of struggled to sort of break out into the uh, into mainstream media and i'd love to see i think that you know regardless of whatever the result is in um, we should be figuring it out in about eight minutes time now um nice. it'd be fantastic to see both sides working together and sort of moving forward, because at the end of the day, there's been a lot of, I, I know that Twitter is not representative of the party, nor is it representative of Britain as a whole, but I've seen a lot of people who are very, very divisive. And it's important to remember at the end of this that we are all Liberal Democrats. We will, we should all be supporting whoever wins, regardless of whoever it is, and moving, moving forward, moving forward.
0: So... Carla, I was wondering, because there's been a lot of chat about, you know, Labour would be worried if Layla wins. Mm -hmm. Who would the Tories be most worried about? Because Tom's Tom's right, you know, most of our seats are Tory-facing, not everywhere, but MPY certainly, target seats certainly, and, you know, lots of council seats are are Tory-facing as well. Who are the Tories most worried about out of the two, do you think?
5: I would think, I would say Ed. To be honest, and I think that that would that comes from a lot um, from the first pieces of information that came out from Leila's campaign at the beginning about that for example, that um, booklet with the policies and things like that. That were obviously they were not treated as actual policies for the party, but it was an example of ideas that were coming together. Some of them, I think, um, would ha- wouldn't have been as beneficial for some of, for example, Tory facing um facing seats and I think that one of one of the things that might have swayed quite a few people um with regards to the way they vote is you seeing those kind of like little insights of what could potentially happen if a specific person came into power. So for example, I remember having this conversation with Tom. What would you what would you do for example, do you vote for the party and what you think that the party the best the the best person for the party is or do you actually vote for your seat if you are a candidate. Is do we vote for what we for the person that we think is gonna actually take the party forward and is gonna transform it because that's what's really needed, a transformation in the party itself. Um or do you actually vote for the person that actually might help you win your specific seat? And um with, with regards to, to Tory facing seats, I actually think that a debut would come across as a bigger danger. Um, well, I might be wrong. we We never really know what's going to happen after the 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 um, the leader is elected. So,
0: now Richard, because it, it comes to this point, it, it's interesting because we've also got the Labour leak stories happening right now as well. And there's been there has been conversations about will Labour want to work with Lib Dems? And it just got, I don't know if you've seen the Labour leak story that's come out today, where Lib Dems offered to stand down in for 50 seats, etc. for Labour. And Corbyn's response was socialism is more important than the EU do, now I mean we've we've had conversations Richard on this podcast for, for over the last year basically saying labor will not do any deal ever with the Lib Dems. And do you think that's actually hurt Layla a little bit the some people saying actually you know she'll be able to work better with uh, uh, with labor and actually most people just think labor are a tribe unto themselves.
2: I think that has had at least four different positions on Labour. And one of the problems is, and I found this when I came to Liverpool a long time ago, we were really, uh, as Liberals then, having a real go at Labour, pointing out how bad they are. And i go back to Otley in place like that, where the Labour Party with a local Methodist preacher and people like that, really nice people, say, how can you have a go at these people who share our values? Well, in much of the country, the Labour Party don't share our values. They are in no way liberal. Uh, So that's the first issue. And The second thing is none of us have any idea what would happen to our vote if we weren't to stand. We cannot deliver our vote as a bloc. So why pretend we can? We can have intelligent discussions. Do we really target X seat and Y seat and let them really target A seat and B seat? But the fact is, in the last election, we lost some of the people who joined us, like Luciana Berger in uh, London, because the Labour Party flooded into that constituency and lost another one adjacent by about 200 seats that day and the same was happening uh, in the northwest there's well, no we know that
0: from cheedle and hazel grove don't yeah. we we were we were there on polling day labour was still out there campaigning in in oh. hazel grove and then lost the neighboring constituency mm. by a couple of votes but do you think josh that whichever leader is elected whoever and we're going to say the announcement is in two minutes so one of the big questions are going to be asked is what they did w- w- who they work with, can they work with other parties? Because it, oh, it's a nightmare for us, because as soon as we say, you know, I don't want to work with the other parties, they say, well, are you going to be Prime Minister then? And then Joe Swinson got completely eviscerated for that as well. So how how do they deal with that question, Josh?
3: Well, I think we know that both of them, and the public know that both of them can work cross-party. Look at Layla; she's done and doing an amazing job when it comes to this um, coronavirus Um, inquiry um, and ED, um, you know, coalition had um, some great merits and one of them is that we proved that parties can work together to govern in the best interests of of the country. So I think both have got great credentials for reaching across the aisle and doing what's right um, for people and for policy rather than just um what's right for for party um i just wanted to touch on something that that Richard said as well about um layla's position when it comes to to working with with labor um i do think um you know the the campaign suffered a bit of a, a knock um earlier on um when the narrative um around working with labor um was kind of blown out of proportion i i i think um and the campaign did a good job to try to claw some of that back and to distance Layla from uh, kind of collusion um, with with Labour. And I definitely sensed a kind of dilution um, of, of that, and more towards Ed's kind of understanding uh, position that he spoke about a fair bit. Uh, but I do think that. Um, in some uh, Labour, uh, sorry, some Liberal Democrat, Conservative marginals, um, that would have scared off some some members, certainly in the earlier weeks um, of of the campaign. I think she's been able to recover somewhat. We'll find out whether she did enough in a couple of minutes.
0: Tom, you 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 hosted a couple of hustings mm. as well. Um, what was the feel from you? I mean, you will have got the questions and 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 the kind of feedback from members what was your feeling about how they handled the the, the amount of hosting i think there were nearly 45 hustings were there
4: i yeah i think there were too many there were far too many and um i think there was an argument obviously it broke out uh in Lib Dem twitter about one hustings not happening and and actually again i think uh, apart from the noise I, I could tell that candidates were thinking well Thank God we haven't got one (laughs) that's been (laughs) taken out. But I just I think there were too many, and it was and I managed I I I chaired the Northwest one and the Liberal Ford one, so we did get some different kind of um, discussions going on. But there was just so little difference between the two candidates. Really was. there were, there were probably like some nuances around kind of economic policies and things like that, but there were so, and just to kind of touch on what Carla was saying, I think that the booklet that came out at the beginning with Layla's team, even though it wasn't officially a part of the campaign, I think that kind of, that almost, I think Joshua mentioned it as well, kind of worked against Layla's campaign because it set out some kind of key things that were probably a bit too radical. You know, I think there was a discussion about nationalization in there, which Layla said that, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't in agreement with, but I think that almost helped frame a kind of a, um, a kind of a more labour biased narrative around her. Um, but when we got into the hustings, there was just so little difference between the two candidates. It was very hard to kind of see where they would argue. so, in fact, the only disagreement I think that I got was when I asked them if they preferred... Um, if they prefer Steve Coogan or Caroline Ahern, and, um, <laughs> and uh, Layla went for Steve Coogan, and Ed went for Caroline. So,
0: <laughs> I I've just had again. I'm following everything that's going on on Twitter. Uh, the people that are going to react badly to this, the Lib Dem members who are going to act badly. Well, I mean, I mean, I've been quite lucky. I think every leader I voted for has actually won. Uh, a, a guy in my local party, Bill Shannon. Oh, the, the, the announcement's just started, Has lost every single one, and he's voted for Ed. But I suppose, like Owen said, we've just got whatever happens at this announcement. We've got stuff to do because actually, contests kind of highlight the differences when actually the differences are very small. And and both these both these guys are terrific MPs, terrific servants of liberal democracy. And uh, whatever happens, we'll have a good leader at the end of it. So. Um, for for Richard's benefit, the podium. Oh, it started. That's oh, that's Layla's Le- head has just come on. So we will be cutting in between us and obviously some of the footage. We'll have that for you on the podcast, so you'll be able to hear exactly what the announcement has been. Um, has anyone got? Has anyone heard anything yet?
5: No.
4: Um, I'm
6: checking my contacts, John.
0: <laughs> oh, Here we go. here's Mark Pack.
6: Good morning. I'm Mark Pack, President of the Liberal Democrats, and I know you're not here to hear from me. So before moving on to the result, I just want to very briefly but very sincerely say thank you to all of the staff and volunteers who have worked so hard to make this election run so smoothly and at such a challenging time. To the result, there were 117,924 ballot papers issued, a record high for any of our leadership elections. Turnout was 57.6%. The votes for each candidate were Ed Davey, 42,756. Leila Moran, 24,564. And so Ed Davey has been elected the next leader of the Liberal Democrats. Congratulations, Ed.
0: So Ed's won by about two to one, as Richard said. Wow. So... So actually, he's probably is about, about 60, you know, maybe slightly higher, like 65, something like that. Someone do the numbers. Tom, you're good with maths, get on with it.
7: <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> no, <I'm> not. <laughs> yeah, Thank he you, is. Mark. I'd like to start by thanking my friend, Leila Moran. Leila, you fought a passionate campaign full of energy. And since becoming MP, you've inspired so many people, particularly young people. Your future is bright, And I look forward to you playing a big role in my team. To members of the Liberal Democrats, thank you for putting your faith in me and giving me the honour of leading a party I joined 30 years ago. And I also want to thank a whole host of people who've run this campaign, whether in party headquarters, alongside the returning officer, or in my own campaign team. The thousands of people who volunteered time to campaign with me, who've donated to my campaign, who've championed our vision of a greener, fairer, more caring country. And I'd particularly like to thank Claire Halliwell, my campaign manager. Claire, you've been fantastic. And of course, Emily, my wife, and our two beautiful children, John and Ellie. Thank you, Emily, for your amazing support Patience and love. And I'm sure I'm speaking for many people when I say that for all the stress and uncertainty of the last few months, one positive has been the chance to spend more time with our families. And so I'd like to thank Ellie in particular for appearing as a surprise cameo in so many of my Zoom calls and hustings. I want to talk now about the future of the Liberal Democrats I joined this party 30 years ago. I met Emily here. I've made so many good friends here. And with those friends, I campaigned across our country, knocking on tens of thousands of doors, delivering hundreds of thousands of leaflets. The reason I have done all this is simple. I love our party. I believe in it. I stand for all the things Liberal Democrats stand for, Social justice, political reform, equality and protecting our environment. I stand for fairness and for fighting to protect the rights of ordinary people. And I'm determined our party backs a Britain that works with other countries across the world for peace and prosperity. But it is my love of our party that makes me recognize that we must change. We have to wake up and smell the coffee. Nationally, our party has lost touch with too many voters. Yes, we are powerful advocates locally. Our campaigners listen to local people, work hard for communities and deliver results. But at the national level, we have to face the facts of three disappointing general election results. The truth is, voters don't believe the Liberal Democrats want to help ordinary people get on in life.
5: Voters don't believe
7: we share their values. And voters don't believe we are on the side of people like them. Nationally, voters have been sending us a message. But we have not been listening. It is time for us to start listening. As leader, I am telling you, I have got that message. I am listening now. So whether you're from the north, south, or somewhere in between, whether you vote for Brexit or remain or just wanted the whole thing settled, whether you voted Labour, Conservative, Liberal Democrat, SNP or Plaid, my message for you is this. I will travel up and down our country to meet you, to hear about things that matter most to you, your problems and fears, your hopes and dreams. I will face up to uncomfortable truths, and I will make your concerns Mention
0: the North first, obviously. I hope you all spotted that. Our country <laughs> is going through one of the
7: most extraordinary and difficult periods for generations. The challenge of COVID will affect our country and the world for decades to come. Millions of people are suffering. As leader of the Liberal Democrats, I want to reach out to help you and your community get through this whether your concerns are your family's health, your children's education, or your livelihood. And I want to understand the new future you want after all this, and help to deliver it. So my job from today is to rebuild the Liberal Democrats to national relevance, so we can deliver this future for you, your family, and for the people who need it the most. None of this is going to be easy. None of this is going to be straightforward. And none of it is going to be quick or simple to achieve. But I want the Liberal Democrats to represent the whole country, not just some people, and to stand for fairness and opportunity for all. That is my commitment to you as the new leader of the Liberal Democrats. The hard work starts today.
0: Quite a short speech from ed there so mm-hmm. he got just over 63 percent of the vote which is wow. i can not remember what joe swinson got but i think it was similar. similar isn't it it is similar to what joe swinson got but i mean again are we a little bit disappointed only 50 percent turnout
2: but that was higher than before we've we've been down at some stages to 30 percent, i yeah. think so it is a sign of perhaps the commitment particularly from some members we don't actually see doing much door knocking and canvassing that perhaps that will entice them back into the campaigning side of the party rather than the twittering side.
0: Mm. Um, I suppose the, the the fair thing to do now, I think that's the announcement's completely over, so it was very short and sweet, so we can now just concentrate on ourselves, I can take these headphones off, which is marvellous. <laughs> so let's start off, let's start off with the loser first actually, because we'll we'll have more questions to talk about what Ed does now. But... Will team Layla be disappointed with that Josh you were probably the most involved with team Layla
3: yeah I think I think team Layla um, particularly with the the margin um, of, of that defeat you know there really seemed to be um, a strong sense um, that it was close and not just within um, team Layla um, but across the Party um, as well. I think there was a sense that it was going to be much closer um, than, than it was. So, yeah, you know, in the short term, uh, there are lots of people who have invested lots of time in Layla's campaign. He'll be gutted that um, their efforts didn't quite pay off. Um, but something that we're really good at doing as Liberal Democrats, um, especially since you know getting a real beating during the the coalition years, um, is picking. Um, Ourselves up um, and uniting together to really throw the kitchen sink um, at the next challenges ahead, um, which, as Richard said, um, are the local elections that we have next year and police and crime commissioner elections, um, etc. So, um, yes, it will be difficult for many to stomach, um, but I, for one, am just well up for getting out there again um, and smashing it as Liberal Democrats, not as team led Ed or team Leila.
0: Tom, I, I want to come to you because obviously I remember having a chat with you after the 2019 general election and how the disappointment that came from that uh, and how we then go from here. What, what, what? I mean, we've, there's been lots of talk about the Thornhill review, the structures within the party, but what does Ed have to do right now?
4: Um, I think Ed, just thinking about what he just said there, um, I think he was bang on when he said, um, whilst on a local level, we're you know we're doing okay, but the truth is, I think his quote was, um, "Voters don't believe we share their values." Um, and then he spoke directly to the camera, there saying, "I'll make your concerns my concerns." That is exactly what we want to hear. And um, I think I think it's fair to say, at the last general election, we often went out preaching, um, preaching about what we cared about, preaching about things that necessarily people weren't telling us on the door. Um, and I think the, the Thornhill uh, review um, references that quite a lot. So I think there are, there are two key things now that Ed needs to do. I think Ed needs to start implementing that. And there was a lot of questions in the, in the hustings about which of the three things would you pick? I mean, for me, it's not three things. That whole review needs to be done and um, from top to bottom um, and it needs to complete. So Ed, that's first on Ed's desk. And the second thing is, I think he needs to start um, that listening exercise, because I'm pretty sure, like, if, if Josh wants to come up to Cheadle and start knocking on doors, you know, you're more than welcome, Josh, uh, to come up, knock on doors. They will be um, they will be saying, you know, very kind of different things to what's, what's happening in Eastbourne. Um, and it's important that Ed picks that up. And I was really glad that he mentioned the North, the South, and everything in between, because Britain is a really diverse country, and we need to start breaking into those communities and listening to those people as well. Carla, what are your thoughts?
5: Oh, I actually really hate the fact that I'm thinking that Tom and I somehow share the same brain, but after like almost (laughs) 10 years of marriage, I was like, oh God, I was going to say that. I was going to say that. but actually, I think yes. As, as as Tom mentioned, it's 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 not simple, but it's very straightforward. It's basically focusing on what the actual electorate care about, rather than just a niche party, if you want to say. So, for example, I would say I'm a bit of an outsider. I'm a, I'm a campaigner, yes. But um, it's mainly because I love winning, and I you know you know I, I support Tom 100% in his career, and I, I really believe in what the party stands for. But I'm not actually. An absolute policy geek mm. and I don't really know um, every single line of every single policy there is however I know that me personally as many other people um, we have issues that we care the most about and actually they might not be you know very high level or something they might seem very simple that sometimes get overlooked and I think overlooking things like that has been a mistake that the party has made for a long time and um, so definitely that's that's a key thing but also it's I think reconnecting what Ed needs to do is reconnecting with the members because how many members joined the party because of Brexit and because they wanted to stop it and those are the people that we need to convince that we are relevant enough for them to stick around and keep supporting the party rather than now for example Keir Starmer might look a bit more appealing Uh, Labour might look more appealing because of him Um, I'm maybe driving them away because of continuing making the same mistakes. So it's reconnecting with the membership, any type of different members, because even members have got different issues and different views, and also focusing on the things that people really care about, I think.
0: Owen, you're in an area that isn't traditionally a strong one full of Dems in, in, in Morecambe. What can this do? You backed Ed. You uh, publicly backed Ed. I think you he helped out in his campaign a little bit as well. Um, but what what now for areas like Morcam to say, Morcam? What, what do you want from the leader?
1: Well, I was I was quite relieved to hear in his speech that he wanted to actually come and listen to people. The the fact that we now have this idea of Lib Dems listening, I thought was very inspiring, and it was quite it was quite a weight off my shoulders because. A lot of people around here who have always traditionally voted either Labour or Tory, because we've never really had a particularly strong Liberal Democrat presence in Morecambe and Loonsdale. It's, it's just very refreshing, because I, I know that I'm going to have a leader who people will go, yeah, actually that's someone who's going to come and listen to the issues that we have in our community. And it's nice that he said that we're not going to have any more, sort of no more niches, that he wants to be more representative of the British people as a whole. You know, I think we get a bad rep as a party, as being a party of very small, particular issues. One, like well, as in one with Brexit, or of you know all these little issues. But it's it's important that we do still hold true to these values because they are liberal values. Yeah. But it's also important that we try and expand our voter base because at the end of the day, that's what's important in terms of winning.
0: Is that, and Owen, I mean, just to kind of on this point, I mean, we've got an episode coming out next week. With the the new chair of the LGBT plus Lib Dems, who who, who is worried sometimes when we say we don't want to deal with niche issues, it's because we don't want, sometimes these are uncomfortable issues or sometimes, but is it also the fact that, you know, if we do something on COVID or the NHS, then they get, they get a Labour quote, they get a Tory quote and that's kind of it. Whereas a niche issue gives you a little bit of cut through. Is that not part of the, is that not why we do that?
1: I mean, it's important, certainly. I mean, as, as a member of the LGBT plus community myself, I think it's incredibly important that we are one of the forefront parties on those issues and that we have a liberal voice in in, in those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, the, the fact of the matter is that these are still minority issues. I think it's incredibly important that we do get the cut through on things like COVID, on things like the NHS, on housing, on the, on the issues that matter to everybody in the country.
0: Richard, I remember... Remember, after the last leadership election, it was just me and you then. Before we had all these other people kind of (laughs) join our podcast, Um, and we said, and we said before that last leadership election that Layla's time might come. Now, obviously, at that point, we didn't realise that we were going to have a general election and Joe was going to lose her seat. Now, you obviously publicly backed Ed, um, but I mean, has Layla just made herself the de facto kind of incumbent for once that Ed isn't around anymore?
2: Well, I would certainly repeat what I said last time. I think a time will come for Layla. One of my concerns that I wouldn't have voted for her this time was because she doesn't yet have the experience and the gravitas, and I'm afraid that does partly uh, come with time. I think that she uh, and Vera and Daisy Cooper will all be viable candidates for whenever it is that we come to replace um, uh, uh, Ed. So I don't think it's as simple as saying it's now going to be Layla as the heir incumbent. I think she's opened the, uh, the, the, the party to a series of new ideas, but we should be proud of the fact that there's more than one capable alternative to Ed we will see how Daisy, Vera and perhaps others that I'm not so familiar with will develop over the next uh, few years and then we would come to that decision but but in the short term if I could just respond to Owen what's the new leader going to do it seemed to me that we've explained our principles just by defining niche products so why am I in favour of LGBTQ rights Because I believe in equality, and that is part of the equality agenda. Why am I against Brexit? Because I'm an internationalist. Why do I really uh, want to examine? I'm not 100% convinced by universal uh, income, but I really want to look at it, because as a liberal Democrat, I believe in fairness. So I think we've got to define our big picture programmes And then go into the niche markets, as it were, underneath them to talk about why that matters to people who are black, people who are gay, people who are trans, people who are women in certain circumstances. And we've done it the wrong way around. Do we think it's actually
0: a healthier thing for the party that Ed's had such a clear mandate? Rather than, like I say, Owen, you were talking about just before that it could be very close, you know, whether it was it's only a couple of percentage here and there. So any of these kind of kind of I don't want to say fake outrage, but some people were annoyed at certain things that happened during the course of the campaign on both sides. The fact that none of those kind of little grievances will have amounted to this huge difference between them in the votes. Do you think it kind of puts a line under it? Open to anyone, that.
4: Yeah, I I think it does. I think it's it's it's. Um, I think I think there was a, a worry for me that there would be um, either candidate would win with a very small like minority, like a kind of a very small majority, and then you would have this kind of element of uh, factionalism that would still be there. Um, for me, this kind of there is a clear winner, um, and it's there's it a clear kind of. Uh, almost person for someone for everyone to kind of rally behind now um i think it's it's a it's a thing for unity definitely i
5: think i think it would be hard to actually um try to find a reason for it not to have happen so for example i was so prepared to ask the question if leila had won mm. uh, to ask the question if the actual leadership um, election had been a normal length, you know, like the few weeks that we actually, or a couple of months that we usually um used to, rather than this very lengthy process, if the result had been affected. Um, but I think just the fact that, you know, Ed came in, it was deputy leader, and even though that it was not official until like, I don't know how many weeks after, um, he had that kind of like lead on, that that type of like step ahead in the in the campaign does that make sense mm-hmm. and um, whereas i think if leila had won or if they had been really really close people would have actually thought oh what if or maybe recount or i don't know like there's some something can be changed whereas now i think it's just a definite a definite show showcasing um a definite voice for the party and what the party actually wants to
3: yeah i mean in I I totally agree. I mean, I think a a win is a win, whether it's by one vote or whether it's by one million votes. Um, But I think, yeah, what really helps in this case is there are just no, you know, no one can refer to a returning officer's verdict and say, oh, we should challenge the result on on this basis, which is the last thing the party needs. We've had our time to navel gaze and. In large part, it's been um, an important and healthy process. Uh, but now, you know, no questions asked. It's time to move forward together, as, as Layla would say. And I know that, um, you know, everyone in the party fundamentally um, will move towards that, that outcome. I thought what was really important um, about Ed's um, speech and what was really responsible, actually, especially in light of, you know, such a... Um, a victory um, is he did seem to in- incorporate um, lots of the you know most fantastic elements of Layla's narrative throughout the campaign into his speech. So um, you know he spoke about listening and Layla listens and all that kind of thing have been a really big part of her narrative. I think for me um, the best thing he said in his speech was we have to wake up and smell the coffee and it was really important for him to say that because um, I think he has been viewed in many quarters as the kind of continuity business as usual candidate Um, and I think that um, phrase um, was a huge signal um, that no there is going to be significant change we're not going to go on as we were before and again that was another kind of key uh, part of Layla's narrative And I'm really pleased um, that he's going to pursue that as well
0: I suppose uh, now it's interesting because we had a when, during our discussions and during the hostings particularly the live dem podcast hostings there was talk about you know ed I don't want to talk about coalition because actually for all that talk of coalition and legacy I don't think that many people bring up coalition on the door to me personally uh, but one of the things that did come up in our in our hostings was the mistakes of 2019 Ed was in that room and so how can we and some of the issues with the Thornhill review is that it's all right on words actions have now got to take place so what what does does Ed have to do that he didn't do in 2019 right now I suppose it's quite a tough question so I'll take it to Richard first
2: Well, if, if we look back, uh, I've said all along that the only people that have been raising the coalition years to me are people who never have voted for us and never bloody would, so I'm not too bothered uh, about them. But what always disturbed me uh, is is the way we didn't own, and still don't own, the good things that came out of the coalition. Now, I don't think we want to spend a lot of time going on about it because it's five years ago now and it's out of people's minds. But nevertheless, there were strengths. And one of the things, of course, that I was able to say in the little clip that I did for Ed is look at what we achieved as a junior partner in a coalition government in terms of energy, which transformed the way that our energy system works. And I, I have the uh, Ed Davy Memorial uh, sun, Solar Power Unit on my roof now as a result. Not perhaps not Memorial. No. Uh, I was wondering where you were going with that. Before, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to kill the bugger. Yeah. Uh, I'm very proud of the fact that we, for the first time for 25 years, improved the lot of pensioners. I'm Pleased that we took nine million people out of paying national uh, um, income I mean, tax. I, I'm
0: I'm of the opinion that none of that stuff's going to come up either positive or negative.
2: Particularly, no, no we won't go back to it. Yeah. But those are things we can build on to say, what do we want to do now? And if people then challenge you, bloody well didn't do it. We're able to turn around and say, yes, oh yes, we did.
0: Yeah. So what? What's so? Tom, I want to get to you. What, 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 what is next then? What's, I mean, what, what, what is the next step for Ed? And just to, I kind of want a final thoughts from everyone, really, before we wrap up this um, kind of podcast. The response we're getting, as you can imagine on Twitter, a lot of lady supporters are surprised by the result. And we've talked in the past about, you know, and, and Owen mentioned it just before, Twitter isn't the real world. You know, this is, you know, people that think, how can Donald Trump possibly win an election? Well, he might, you know, because Twitter isn't the real world. Um, and so I would encourage all people that to make real differences, to get your shoes on, get knocking on doors, putting leaflets through doors, doing the campaign and stuff that wins us. Because some of you will be disappointed with, with today, but I'll tell you what will make you feel better in those elections in May if Lib Dems win another 700 games again that's what will make you feel better. If we get more seats in Hollywood, if we get more seats in Cardiff, that will make you feel better. And don't forget, and here's a really important thing, there were a lot of people thinking Vince Cable wasn't doing a particularly good job until suddenly we got those results in 2019. So whatever despair you're feeling right now, there is always a chance to turn things around. Uh, And over to you, Tom, for your final thoughts.
4: Reach. That's it. That's
0: absolutely. I just
5: think
4: um and good good talk about the uh, the, the Trump election wearing that t shirt as well. I think that's that's uh, top dollar. Um I think ready for the next contest. Come yeah, on. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, I, I seriously I think we've um this we've got a leader now. The we've need to start as a party, we need to start looking outwards. We need to start listening ed spot on. Um, Leila was spot on in the campaign. We need to start listening to what voters care about and we need to start knocking on doors. The Liberal Democrats are at its best when we're a campaigning force. We're not a party of Westminster, we're a party of your street. You know, we knock on the doors, we get the issues sorted, we listen to people and we report back. We've got to get back to that. We've got to get back to that. Um, and I'm, I'm excited because now we've got a, a leader who I think is, is a track record of doing that, He knows how to win elections, there's a lot on his plate that he's got to um, get fixed um, internally. But the important thing for us as members is we've got to get those leaflets out, we've got to knock on doors, we've got to listen to voters, we've got to start having a positive effect on people's lives and not just concentrate on what's going on in our own party.
0: And Josh, you obviously, you've got your disappointment. Your final thoughts, what's next for you? Um...
3: Final thought is uh, I'm going to give big virtual hugs to the uh, Layla team activists uh, who have worked so hard and I'm going to give some big virtual hugs um, to team ed activists as well because (laughs) we're all Liberal Democrats um, and we need to, as I said, um, put that navel gazing back into the box now. We've done that. Um, and let's get out on the streets and start campaigning so that we can win big in these county council election campaigns um, and hopefully uh, bag uh, one or two police and crime commissioners, if not more as well. We've got so much work to do. This was the easy bit, the leadership election. Um, Now we've got to face off the Tories, uh, we've got to face off Labour, we've got to face off the Greens and the other parties who will do all in their power to stop us winning we can't let any internal divisions get in the way um, of that um so off to work we go
0: Carla what are you, what are your final thoughts
5: I am very happy with the result I'm going to be honest I'm also very happy that it's over and now we can as everyone said we can just move on and just carry on campaigning with regards to what I think Ed needs to be doing for example that's um, a bit maybe a bit different from what happened in 2019 It's not just yes we're all agreeing that it's very important to listen to the electorate listen to people that that cares and their needs but also I think it's um, the party at the moment are going through a massive transformation I'm very excited that Mike Dixon for example came in and Mimi Turner that um, that hire as well as um, as director of strategy is really exciting. Actually, you can feel the transformation of the party happening. However, I think Ed's big job, or in my perspective, I would say his big job would be also to listen to his local parties and um, local candidates, for example. So one of the things that happened a lot with with Joe Swinson in two thousand nineteen election was basically it seemed to be a campaign that was basically built for the South or London London seats. Whereas obviously we have lived them all across the country and, and it's very important to take them all into account and um, what they need, the differences in the campaigning, the messaging and everything. So when we have an actual general election coming, even for the for the locals, we have a strong message that resonates with the electorate, but also that the candidates can actually say, I identify with it, I stand for that as well. So I think that's that's very, very important. And that's probably one of the very first things that I think Ed needs to start doing um communicating more with the local parties and the candidates.
0: I mean, we don't have anyone from Ed's constituency here, but I suppose, Owen, oh, one thing Ed's got to do is also is make sure he protects his own seat as well. Because actually, if you think about it, Clegg came very close to losing his seat. and then then did lose his seat. Uh, And then Tim Farron, when he became leader, became within a whisker of losing a very strong seat. Ed, Dave, Joe lost her seat. Uh, And so Ed has got to also remember, and we might want him to come, I know we're saying, want him to come to the North, to Scotland, to Wales, to do all those wonderful leadership things. But I suppose the Lib Dems in London have to make sure if Ed's doing that and is sacrificing his time to do that, we have to, it's our responsibility in those areas to protect him. To make sure they are doing the groundwork to make sure he can do the leadership stuff. That was a question, kind of question stroke statement for you. I was, say, I I was, to... I was very much a statement there.
2: John. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. Say... We, we don't give a damn whether he loses his
1: seat. Actually, yeah, <laughs> <that's it. laughs> no, of course not. I mean, it would be, it would be fun. It, it well, it needs to. He needs to keep his seat. We cannot, we cannot afford to have another repeat of what happened with uh, with Joe Swinson, and I, I have no doubt that the Liberal Democrats in Kingston will uh, will fight hard and that he will also split his time i hope evenly between representing liberal democrat values at a national level but also not forgetting to look after the people who have put him in put him in uh, in the house of commons so it'll be good to see i was just i was just looking actually that um one of, one of the things I, uh, when I was brought onto the Ed Davy team, I think I can, I think I can reveal this now, was that I was doing a bit of uh, design work, and I've just seen that one of the gifs that I made has gone viral on Twitter, which was uh, I put a picture of Ed Davy's face on the front of a steam train, and as it comes into the station, it says, "Jump on the Davy train." So I'm very happy to see that that's her.
4: how much did they pay for that, Owen? It's <laughs> just
0: uh, too much. Now <laughs> <though. laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> what a claim to fame that is! Pretty...
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The we will see that all more. the power. Yeah. Um, okay, Richard, you finish us <laughs> off, mate. You, we've got. You know, I don't know how many leaders uh, you've gone through now. I, I'm, I'm, you, must, you must be in double figures. Uh, so, you know, your final thoughts on this uh, on this
2: big day for the Lib Dems. Well, my next steps are doing what everyone else is. On this memory stick, there are eight street letters for three wards, and I'm going to print them. Then I'm going to go into town to meet some people I've been campaigning with on a big issue locally, uh, and I'll be joining with them. Uh, And then we've got uh, five uh, lots of 6,000 Focus arriving tomorrow. And I can't emphasize enough for all the time I've been in the party that whenever we've been down the way we got out of it was on the doorsteps every time it's showing that we care it's showing that we listen it's proving our liberalism in action not just as this set of policies or principles but actually living out our liberalism in our neighborhoods our communities our streets our towns and our cities and that's what I'd urge everyone to do now. To the barricades, to the doorsteps, march on, march on.
0: There we go. I don't think we're ever going to get a better ending than that for any <laughs> podcast going forward. You've kind of you, you've peaked, Richard. But um, I want to say <laughs> thank you to all the panel. Thank you to Carla, Tom, Josh, Richard and Owen. Um, thank you everyone for listening and watching. We are delighted that you've uh, taken the time to view this or listen on your podcast behind us. Don't forget, you can follow everything to do with the Lib Dem podcast and at Lib Dem Pod. Do follow all these guys on their Twitter. There'll be links in the show notes uh, so you can do that. Um, And we've got lots of episodes in the bag way to go. We've got interviews with the LGBT plus Lib Dems. We've got an interview with Molly Nolan, the number one target candidate in Scotland for next year's Holyrood elections. We've got brilliant episodes coming in. We'll no doubt have more Uh, from our regular panel as well I do know some of the team members and campaigners from the different leadership groups want to come on and talk about how it went I imagine that might be slightly easier from Team Ed's side at the moment but we will absolutely but thank you all very much for listening thank you everyone on the panel we'll be back with another episode and stay safe and we'll see you soon